This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and supporting listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter today. Ha-cha! Yes? Ho, ho, ha, ha! Remember me, old chum? Jolly devil. Welcome to THN, cover to cover for Saturday, June 11th. Kitty, my name is Matt Baum. And I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. Here's how it works. Every Saturday morning at 1030 Central, Matt and I go live on our Facebook page to wrap about the week's nerd news. And then we open the phone lines at 11 so you nerds can play along. It's super fun. You can call us at 402-819-4894. You can click our Facebook Call Now button or you can chat with us in the Facebook Live chat if you want to get in on the action. If you can't call in live, that's still totally cool. You can leave us a message at 402-819-4894, or maybe you're trying to call in and you can't get a hold of us. Leave a message. We'll totally talk to you. We'll play it later on on the show. Or you can send an MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. But before we open the phone lines, Joey, we need to give these nerds something to talk about. It's time for Nerd News. From the CW desk, Stargirl has been renewed for a second season, but here's the catch. Season two will only air on the CW. (laughs) (laughs) According to Deadline, Stargirl season two will not stream on DC Universe. Instead, it will join Arrowverse shows like The Flash, Supergirl, and Black Lightning as a CW exclusive uh, currently, they're in the middle of their first season. The uh, new episodes hit the DC app on Monday, and then they air the following night on the CW. This isn't the first time that a DC Universe show has jumped ship. Doom Patrol recently uh, moved over to HBO Max, though they are technically sharing that show on both apps. For now. Uh, for now, right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. For now. Uh, I Right now, the only the only remaining uh, live action show is Titans. We are not going to have them anymore. This on is, the DC app. This is the they're dismantling the DC app partially, and it's because they didn't make any money. It's just like we said they they put out these shows. They spent a lot of money on. We don't know they didn't make any money. If they you did just make money, that out of thin air. If they did make money, why would they do this? What's what is the idea? Oh, we're making great money here. This is working. Why are we taking the shows away? Is it for shits and giggles? Come on. Because now everybody and their dang dog has their own streaming app and they're and they know that putting it on an HBO app is going to get even more faces looking at it than a comic book app. Exactly. Because people didn't buy the comic book app for the shows. They bought it for the comics. They were you're talking to a very small group of people that are going to do that. And they spent too much money on those shows. That's why a great show like Swamp Thing got canceled. Nobody knew it was a thing. Nobody watched it. It's going to get a second life on HBO now, and I hope that sparks no, interest. No, they're airing it, it on the great. CW. Oh, that's right. They're airing season one on the CW. Which, are they going to clean that up at all? It was pretty friggin' violent. I mean, like, there was some real horror stuff in there. I don't know. I don't, I don't recall, know, like, I, nudity. I didn't make it, I didn't uh, finish Swamp Thing, but I, I need to get back on that. I don't recall, like, nudity or language or anything like that, but there was definitely some horror violence that I'm not positive you can show on the CW. So I don't know if it's going to be edited. I mean, I don't know. ABC uh, on agents of shield this week, uh, they did 
a very grisly homage to the 80s movie Chopping Mall. Really? And it had buckets of blood. <laughs> I mean, buckets of blood. I mean, like very day. cheesy 80s style horror movie bl- blood, but. Yeah, Patrick in the chat just said just because they could make more money HBO Max doesn't mean they didn't make money at DC. I agree. Which is what I said. I agree, but they're not making the money they want to make. Otherwise, this would not be happening. And I think I don't, I mean, we share a DC app account, you know, and and it's fun for the comics and stuff. I don't think I ever watched any original programming on that app because it's just, there was no reason to. I could find it elsewhere. How did you watch it, Matt Bomb? Illegally. I'm proudly illegally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why didn't you just that. use the app? Because, it, first of all, I'd have to download the app onto something, or I mean, I couldn't download it onto my NVIDIA Shield. It would only work on my iPad. Like there you were, could put it on your Xbox or your PlayStation, yeah, which is what I do, and I it works great. Typically, don't watch television on those. I think. HBO Max is a better place for this stuff. It's going to get it in front of more people. Hopefully that means we get more shows. I think it's just a matter of time before Titans make makes that jump too. But the question is, what happens to all the other stuff? Is that going to stay on the DC app? I mean, they've been really well, cagey I see, about it. And this. I don't know. Like we, They've got stuff like Harley Quinn. This Harley Quinn cartoon is a hit. And that's going to be – that's coming to HBO as well. We don't know that it's leaving DC Universe, though. I haven't heard anything about that. Yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, they haven't talked about it much, but it doesn't look good for the future of streaming DC Universe. Now, with that said, it was very cheap, and I still think it's not a bad price for all the comics you get and whatnot. I think, uh, like, if you're a person paying month to month, as I was for a long time, I got more value without even touching the video out of the DC app than I did the Marvel app. Because it's cheaper month to month. Yeah. I don't have a problem with and that. And so if they took all of the video content away, I would honestly not care. I think that would upset some people. I don't, I, and I agree, it's still cheap enough that it shouldn't matter. But taking stuff away for the same price, eh. <laughs> that's, just, that's not a good look. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. No, like, even more limited. It's already, it's yeah. already <laughs> so cheap. I agree, but. Especially if you spring for a year. It's like the cost of a cup of coffee once a month. It's just, it's more weird DC news and they've been really quiet and cagey about a lot of this. And I don't know about the future of this app other than comics, but maybe that's all it should be. And and that's fine. That's fine with me. Yeah. To take it back to Stargirl, it is not currently technically part of the Arrowverse, though they did establish in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover that Stargirl belongs to the multiverse and takes place on Earth 2. While the Arrowverse proper exists on Earth Prime, uh, Jeff Johns, the creator of Stargirl, said uh, that, of course, obviously, the shows are going to cross over eventually. And this just makes it seem like it'll happen sooner rather than later. Yeah. So, I mean, it's great. Stargirl's been a ton of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's cheesy as hell. I can turn my brain off and watch Stargirl and have a good time. You know, it's all I need. It's been great. From the another nail in the Dark Horse desk. Aliens and Predator are coming to Marvel just in time because I would say they're probably at the height of their power and fame right now. No question, right? Yeah, people just can't stop talking about Predator. (laughs) Marvel Comics has acquired the publishing license to create comic books based on the 20th century studios, sci-fi horror franchises, 
Aliens, and Predator. This was announced on IGN. It was really funny, too, because Marvel came out on Twitter, and they were like, guess what? We just got Aliens in Twitter. Now go to IGN for the exclusive story. Like, you just told us. that. Okay, great. And they even had the picture of, like, Iron Man holding a Predator, or Predator holding an Iron Man head or whatever. Yeah, that's just promo art yeah. by David Finch, but yeah. So Disney recently purchased 20th Century Studios, which used to be 20th Century Fox, and a bunch of the film assets, including sci-fi horror movies like Alien and Predator, through the publishing license, are new to Marvel Comics. Comics based on Alien and Predator have been published for decades through Dark Horse, who held the license for Alien since 1988 and Predator since 1989. So it doesn't yeah. sound like there's any bad blood or anything with Dark Horse. It's just like, hey, man, sorry, we got purchased, so you're done. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. we, we knew this was coming. They right. weren't going to let Dark Horse continue to keep the license when they already own their own comic book company. Of course. Marvel says they're going to start publishing the comics in 2021. We already got some fun albeit just like preview images that may or may not mean anything. One of which was no, that they've confirmed that it's just promotional. Right. Like, look at this fun thing. There's an Iron Man with a predator head. Then we also saw like a Conan the Barbarian, like fighting a predator that somebody drew. And it's like, oh man, I'll totally read that. <laughs> uh, the other one was the alien on uh, the xenomorph on board, the guardians of the galaxy ship. Right. So, um, I mean, what do you think? Do we want standalone aliens versus, you know, aliens, predator, or do you want to see full on aliens, predator in the Marvel universe? This wouldn't I even, don't, I really don't like, We've if you want to give DC me a what stories. if, like a, like a, you know, like Batman versus predator, that's Elseworlds, right? Fun, whatever. I'm, that's fine. But do not do this Conan stuff with aliens and predator. They don't, there's no reason why the predators should be a credible threat to anyone in the Marvel universe. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, some people, yes, the predators. Okay, kind of bad. Yeah. All right. Some yes. people. Yeah. Okay. Aunt May, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like foggy Nelson probably have trouble <laughs> with the predator. You know? I mean, like I get it, like, but you, they had to bend over so far backwards to make even the aliens seem like a problem for Superman in those crossovers. It's like, Every time I just don't it was like, think God, we're in a universe where people another have another red powers. sun. And seriously, another red sun. God damn it. <laughs> um, Warren Ellis's run on Stormwatch ended. Yeah. With a Wildcats aliens crossover one shot. It was great. That set up the authority. Yeah. Win and like winter ended up flying the Stormwatch. Winter like, flew Skywatch into the sun. Into the yeah. sun to kill all the xenomorphs. It was incredible. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I'm. I would. I would rather just have standalone aliens and predator comics. But I'm kind of with you, but I think we also have both reviewed several standalone aliens and predator comics and said, "Hey, are you getting bored of standalone alien and predator comics, or is it just me?" I mean, like the last time I reviewed one, I believe was the Brian Wood alien story who's a good writer and i've enjoyed stuff he's done and the comic was fine like it was set up okay but again it was like oh a bunch of humans on this spaceship and what is this what happened we lost contact with these people let's go check it out hey there's an alien egg like it writes itself you know what i mean and yeah, i just don't yeah. how much more of this do we need and do we care about aliens versus predator anymore i really like, the movies have been so bad. There isn't one good or defensible 
I would argue, Predator movie outside of the first Predator. Predator 2 is a piece of crap. I just watched it recently. Come at me if you want. But that movie sucked. And all the Aliens versus Predator movies are bad. Terrible movies. So I, I well, mean, man, just remember, no matter who wins, we lose. Yeah, that, you know? like that was it was the perfect tagline for it. <laughs> now, I think the yeah, bigger I, story here, though, is what does this do to Dark Horse? Is Dark Horse in serious trouble? I mean, I don't really know. I, I don't know how much of Dark Horse was being subsidized by their licensed books. I mean, you if know? you go to their page, they have a page with all their properties and it hasn't been updated because like Star Wars is still on here, for example. But Aliens and Predator has has been removed from this page. So I don't know if maybe they do have some weird deal to print their old Star Wars stuff. But other than that, I think the biggest name on here, maybe Game of Thrones. The Zelda stuff isn't even a comic. They just put out like art books and stuff. I mean, well, that's the thing about Dark Horse is that they do big business with like merchandise, book market stuff. I think they're manga. in trouble. I think this is bad, bad news. They lost Buffy. Now they lost Aliens and Predator. Those were definitely their highest selling licensed products. No question. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Nobody there will we'll never hear anyone from Dark Horse come out and say, oh, whoa, we're in big trouble now. Yeah. I, until I hear that the ship is sinking. There's no reason to like think that they're going away because they're still putting out original content, create their own stuff. Right. Like there are way smaller publishers out there that don't survive on properties like this. No, definitely. I just think Dark Horse is in, they, they're in a special category where they're not the biggest, but they're also not one of the smaller guys. And I think that could be a scary place to be right now. That could be a bit of a tightrope, you know, where you either need to decide, all right, we need to cut a bunch of other, this shit loose that we're paying for that isn't selling, or we need to make it sell. Like we've got to get these Tarzan comic books selling. What do we do? <laughs> you know. I mean, here's another thing to consider is that, you know, it's easy for us without any um, insider knowledge to, to worry about these, these small publishers as though they're huge companies that are hemorrhaging money. But how many people actually work for Dark Horse? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their overhead is, uh, definitely. But it sure does seem like they have a lot of money in a lot of different places. And the money that they did have where they were making probably the most return has just been taken away from them. So, All right. Well, according to a quick Google search, Dark Horse, com, uh, Dark Horse has 470 employees, which is, That's sizable. Uh, which is a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that is sizable. <laughs> but I mean, who knows? Maybe they are going to start pumping up Fallout and uh, Halo comics a little more. Maybe the next Bioshock limited series is just going to fly off the stands. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'd read a Bioshock comic. Yeah, I, they're absolutely. Just, they're in a precarious place right now between what went down with the Scott Alley stuff and losing some of this stuff. I think Dark Horse could be in real trouble. I think that you like to think that every time there's any sort of story like this. Well, it's so scary. I'm going I mean, to ignore you. This is scary news, especially right now. We're in a we're in a crisis where comics are just starting to come back out to the shops and whatnot. I mean, this is a scary time for publishers too. You're not wrong about that. Tell me about Comic Con, Joe. Turns out we can all go this year. Everybody. Everyone is invited. <laughs> San Diego Comic-Con is doing things a little differently this year. They are calling it Comic-Con at home. Get it? 
You'll have a front row seat to some of the biggest names in comics and entertainment without having to deal with the crowds clambering towards Hall H. And the first panel details for the late July event have now been revealed. It's going to happen between July 23rd and the 26th. The virtual SDCC will feature 300 to 400 panels. This is according to the wrap. Uh, there's a list you can find. I'm not going to read it, but it's a lot of the usual suspects, a lot yeah. of like TV shows, cartoons, Walking Dead, Marvel Studios, yada, yada, yada. Not as much like Hollywood news and stuff, but I mean, I'm sure they're going to drop in pre-recorded stuff of stars being like, yeah, I can't wait to show up in whatever, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, it says that there may be live elements to some of the programming. It is expected that all of the panels will be filmed ahead of time. Uh, by the studios and the networks and submitted it in advance. Yeah. How else can you do it? You can't do it any other way. You can't have everybody on a zoom call. No, uh, there would be a lot of like porn going on in the back. Like, yeah, eat it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, do we care about this? I mean, is this, I think, I mean, they're doing a Constantine reunion with Keanu Reeves. Oh my God. <laughs> Just in time too. I, but I like, I guess the bigger point is like, this is fun, right? Like, this is a good way. Well, yeah, of course it's fun. you got to do like, something. They have to do something. And look, having a, even if it's filmed in advance, like, unless you were at Comic-Con, all you ever got to see was, like, the transcript, the shitty transcript kicked up by Newsarama or whatever. Right. And now you get to actually see the thing as though you're there. Uh, it does remove like some of the things that made it so special about being at Comic-Con, like queuing up in live, lines, live Q&As, <laughs> showing up for live. just where the guy kicks his sign says, this is the end of the line. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> you know? Having to, having to walk across the street uh, by the people that, that hold up the signs that say you're going to hell. Yeah. Getting a raffle ticket to get in line to maybe get the toy that you waited six hours for. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, no live Q and A's, no fan reactions. Like that's that's kind of like the most fun part about seeing those panels when they do film them. Is like I remember when we saw the trailer for Batman versus Superman. Yeah. We were jacked about that. We yeah. were like so thrilled. Well, now and then just, it ended up being a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> but good news, Zack Snyder is announcing Batman versus Superman, the experience that's going to make it on HBO Max, where it's the full Snyder cut, and we can finally see what they took away from Because I heard Joss Whedon traveled through time and fucked that movie up, too. So it'll be cool to see what it's actually supposed to be like. All right. But this sentence does not say... Batman versus Superman, the experience. <laughs> That's what I'm calling. That's it. not an announcement. <laughs> That's, but there's like, there is a full Snyder cut of that coming as well. And every DC movie, I guess they're like, we fixed them all. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and this isn't the only, like the, it's, it's, it's going to be a virtual con season. Like DC's doing something called Fandome in August. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be promoting all of their uh, upcoming stuff. I also think this is going to change the way we think about cons, period. Because when you do start streaming this stuff and they see the numbers of people that are going to watch it, I think this is going to change things. And it's not going to stop people from going to Comic-Con once, you know, society returns to some semblance of normal, which may or may not happen. But theoretically, let's say it does. I don't think streaming all this stuff, like streaming the Q&As and streaming, you know, announcements and shit like that, 
I don't think that hurts attendance at all. People are still going to want to no, of course be not. there. Yeah. Look, I understand. Like, if you want to be the first person to see the pilot episode of Lucifer. Right. You know, you got to be at Comic-Con. Sure. You got to get into the, that panel. You got to be at, fine. Like, I'm fine with that. But, like, do not, like punish people that couldn't afford to go to comic-con by not letting them see the marvel studios presentation yeah it's silly it's just silly and i think this is going to bust that wide open and it should because it, I agree. It's, it's just dumb and why not make it more available you could even sell virtual tickets if you want to make it cheap you know say hey ten dollars a day and you can watch crap all day long you know they do it for sure. outdoor concerts and shit like you can watch coachella free on youtube and that doesn't seem to hurt the attendance there so i you know they need to do it. It's dumb. Yeah. I mean, I will say like the fan reaction stuff. It's important. That, that's kind of my favorite part. Like, yeah. Do you remember when we huddled around the computer at the shop to watch that shitty phone camera of uh, the guy at Comic-Con filming the announcement for G.I. Joe Resolute? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people went ape shit. <laughs> yeah. And like the, the guy, the guy holding the phone lost his mind. Right. And the camera started to vibrate so fast. It went out of phase with the time stream. Yeah. I mean, this is nerd live sports is what it is. Yeah. You know? Right. And exactly. Like, exactly. A, like right now there's a football games going on in Europe and there's no crowds and stuff. And I mean, it's interesting because you can still watch the sport, but it's also like, haunting it's kind of weird you know it's the same with wrestling and no crowds it it's really bizarre to watch you're, you're more yeah. focused in you can hear like what they're doing and they're grunting and stuff like that and it sounds like porn if you're not in the room <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it's it's kind of haunting and weird and i think this will be a little it's not going to feel like a comic-con obviously but it's still going to be a cool no. event and i think it's good I think it's better than nothing. Absolutely. I think it's better than nothing. And I do think it changes the way that this stuff goes forward. When they see how many people tune in on their computer to see this. I mean, nobody likes making money like cons. Let me tell you, man. And if they can find a way to like mail you a bracelet or whatever. So while you sit at your computer. You know, sure. Yeah. They will do it. <laughs> We should finally mention that Warner Brothers has a new Batwoman in Javicia Leslie, and she has this rare ability to get more gorgeous with every picture they show of her. It's it's crazy. <laughs> like the first one, I was like, oh, she's she's beautiful. And the second one was like, oh my God, she's super hot. And the third one was like, is she a human being? This is crazy how hot she is. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, she is a black woman, and uh, she will be replacing Ruby Rose, and uh, she will be playing a totally different character, not Kate Kane, obviously. Right. And they still haven't given us a name yet, though, right? Yeah, no, they did. They did. I just it wasn't. Oh, I thought I it was. I thought that was a rumored name originally, but I didn't no. Know Regardless, I checked her out. She was on that God Friend and Me show, which was not a good show, but she was good on that show. She's plucky. She's funny. She's likable. She's pretty much everything that Ruby Rose is not, which is good because we need that. What I need to know is like, can she do tough? Can she put on the mask and do tough? You know, I mean, that's what we really need to see because she's going to pull off whatever her other character is fine. Not worried at all. It her character's funny. name is Ryan Wilder. Oh, that's right. That's right. She's the one that like lived in a van and had a drug problem. 
She was a former drug runner, which that lived in a van by the river. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. A former drug runner who now lives in a van. (laughs) And, and, you know, I, I saw some people uh, get a little, get their hackles up a little bit. Like, Oh, you cast the black girl and made her a drug runner. That's great. (laughs) But you know, she turned her life around. Yeah. She's going to be a hero. I'm not so concerned about that. I'm not concerned that she's black and you're just casting a black woman or whatever. I think the real concerns here come down to the same things that we always talk about when you cast a Batman. Okay, can he play Bruce Wayne? Okay, how what's he going to look like in the suit? Can he do the fight choreography? You know, like these are the questions we should be asking because we haven't seen her do any of that yet. So I, I'm i curious, right. you know, I, I like... I, I've only seen her in a little bit of God friended me and she didn't kick anyone's ass in that. So <laughs> I've never seen her in anything, but you know, you know, people were, people were pissed about Michael Keaton. Like, Oh yeah. Super upset. Well, people were also just pissed about what's his head from twilight. I mean, people are going to be pissed no matter what it, it wouldn't matter if you have the perfect casting. I don't care about them. And I'm, I, I don't give I'm, a shit about the racists either. Whatever. I'm just at the point with bat characters that like, after after the Michael Keaton thing, like they proved that they could pull it off, and I know that that was thirty years ago, and this is a different character, but I'll I'll hold I'll withhold judgment until I see her in action. We had briefly talked about like, well, does it suck that they're not using an existing character and inventing a new one? And at this point, looking at the casting, no, I don't think it does because now you have a blank slate. You can do whatever you want with this right. character. So Keith, uh, earlier this week, our Keith Binder, a friend of the show posted something in response he wished that they had uh just used cassandra kane and my point was i think that it would it would take so much effort and time to establish cassandra kane in a way that would do her justice right like you got to introduce kane first if yeah, you're really gonna would, do it right introduce it, kane it would be like it would be like cassandra kane from the birds of prey movie it, right she in name only yeah like oh there she is it's her you guys love her right great like whoa why <laughs> that's not her i don't understand <laughs> right right so i think that the, i think that she'll be fine i'm glad they found somebody quick i'm glad they're moving forward ruby rose is on board with it All right, that's it for your nerd news. It is time to open these damn phone lines. But, Joe Patrick, before we do, I need you to reset the question of the week. This week's question was submitted by Matt Baum, inspired by our recent discussion about Warhammer coming to Marvel Comics. What is your favorite fictional lore, such as the history of your favorite fictional universe or deep background about a specific fictional person place or thing get as broad or as specific as you'd like i love it as you can hear the phone lines are open and we are about to answer our first call it's so very loud thank you for calling thn cover to cover caller who it is it's brian domingos good morning brian domingos how are you sir good what's going on guys so i don't know exactly how uh this live broadcast works on facebook and ios but when you popped up in the chat it was like bring them on camera and so i don't know if i can turn your camera on and like see you nude in your I house or <laughs> like, that seems a little invasive though. <laughs> uh, don't, don't turn my camera on please. Okay. Right. <clears throat> i'll try not to <laughs> although i did get my my first uh post-quarantine haircut um it'd been six months and it was like 
crazy long. So um, I look like a normal human being again, rather than like a wolf man that lives under the porch. Yeah, so. I, I've embraced it. I'm going <laughs> um, full John Wick, man. I decided, screw it. It's all coming in. I'm just doing it. I'm going to be sensitive ponytail guy again. But then I, I was, when they well, kill the, Casey, I'm going to go bust up my like garage ponytail. and get my guns. It, it was like Wesley from um, Princess Bride, like little nubbin ponytail length. And I was like, yikes. Yikes, 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 yikes. At least you're not doing a man bun, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, th- I mean, that is very not my uh, style, but I kept saying, like, I feel like Claire Danes in um, My Soul Called Life. I just keep tucking my hair behind my ears because it's, like, so in my face. Um, so That's what made us fall um, in love with her, though. That was her main thing, like, tucking her hair behind her ears. Like, oh, I love her so much. She's just like me. Well, it's, I, I think it, I always find it telling when I reflect back on myself that I don't say Jordan, you know, uh, Jordan Cavill or, you know, Catalano, uh, Jared Leto. I, I say, you know, um, Claire Dane. So I don't know what that means. Like I'm not hunky enough to be uh, Jared Leto, but um, I'm all right. He's a Claire Dane, I guess. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, anyways, um, I heard a little bit about the, uh, the new Batwoman mm-hmm. um, casting and I, I thought Ruby Rose was the weakest part of the show. And oh, yeah. so like I saw a little bit of this new actress on, um, I, I don't know. I just, I found a couple clips on the CBS app and watched, I, I've never watched any of the shows she's on. She's fine. I mean, it's a CW, so they're not going to be like, right. You know, Oscar caliber actors anyways. But um, I think the idea of taking a new, like a new direction completely, like why not? Like it doesn't do any harm. The yeah. show is kind of it's not a, good a show. variation of a bunch of d- different things, and it's not going to have a huge impact, I don't think, negatively. Yeah, it's, it's not a good show. It, it just, I mean, I'm not saying it's terrible, but it's not a good show, and it's certainly not must-watch right now. I, I sort of gave up. Like, I think the, the actress that plays Alice is, like, the best part. Like, she's very good. She and is she, good. She's taking kind of, like, a, a very weird, like, scene-chewing character and doing like a good job with it um i think the luke character is good like the the, the stepsister is good um so you know why not throw someone new in see what happens and um you know i like the the representation stuff and it's not it's not a show that i'm caught up on by any means i think i gave it i don't know seven or eight episodes and was like yeah. i'm good you know it's, it's fine i think i watched so, five yeah. my my biggest my biggest problem with batwoman other than not really caring for ruby rose is that uh, she would repeatedly let Alice go, despite the fact that she is a multiple mass murderer. Yeah. And it's just like, this season would be over if you would just ship her ass to Arkham on day one. Yeah, because she's literally the only bad guy in Gotham, apparently. <laughs> like, it's, like a, it's like Skeletor yeah. syndrome, where they're like, who could be behind this? It's, oh, Eternia, something bad happened. And like, who do you fucking think it is? It's Skeletor. It's always Skeletor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's that guy who who yells all the time and yeah. waves his staff in the air. Yeah. The one who's saying, he's like, I did it, I did it. Right. Yeah, him. And then Hordak came um, along and tried to steal his fire. That son of a bitch. And, uh, they um, did touch so on some I, sa- I, sc- I, air. They did touch on some scarecrow stuff. They brought in Hush for a couple episodes, which uh, was weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sort of seemed like I. I don't know. Like I think Hush is used. You have to use him delicately, and I think he's sort of a. He's, they usually sledgehammer him into the stories they do, and so that didn't give me any hope. Where it's like I don't want, I can't see Ruby Rose act through that those scenes that shouldn't exist. Like that's that's a lot to ask of me as a 
as a casual viewer. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't, you know, and, and it loses a punch where it's like, does he even know her? Like hush worked because I mean, it kind of, and, and it kind of doesn't work in that way that like, obviously hush was Tommy Elliott because we know how comics work. Like right, Jeff Loeb, right. like we've seen this before. And it was the worst here's kept secret in comics villain, at the and time. Here's a new par- character from Bruce's past. Like, obviously that's who that is. Yeah. It was so. a single worst secret like and twist ending ever. Everyone knew from page one where we were like, "Oh, that yeah. guy? Yeah, that's him. That has to be him, of course." <laughs> it's it's like when you're it's like, it's like when yeah. you're watching an episode of Law and Order or something, and there's a very famous character actor guest star. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, let's go talk like, to oh, that." Oh, they're the murderer. <laughs> let's go talk to that butcher that says he he may have heard something. You're like, "Oh, oh, really? It's him? Yeah, <laughs> like that's your guy." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so one of the things I, I've just got my, um, pre-orders. They took so long to get here. My June, uh, pre-orders. Um, so I read uh, that Texas blood, um, which I thought was very good. Yeah. Um, it was fun. Like Jacob Phillips is a, it's weird. Like he, he draws a lot like his dad, but not so much that it's super, super obvious. Okay. Let's back Um, up. And I like, is Sean Phillips, his dad? He's, he's Sean Phillips' son. Yeah. No shit. I made that joke. I had no, I actually, I think I said they were married. I don't, I don't remember, but I had no idea they were actually related. Yeah. He's, he's his son because Sean Phillips did the design of the book. Um, and then, um, because Jacob would, and I think this is like one of those, like, it's a minor, it's not a scandal, but it's scandalous that no one, that it hasn't been talked about, but Sean Phillips is the colorist on criminal. And he's been that for, Basically, I think since Criminal came back a couple of years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they, and it's, I think it's because, and they didn't, they, it was just like, oh, he's the colorist now. But the former colorist who'd been with them through all those projects, like, you know, Fatal and all that other stuff, um, is Elizabeth, like, Brightweiser, who is like a comic skater. Right. She is? Yeah, like yes. her husband is like a big, big comic skate, like Indiegogo, like dirtbag. Okay, maybe um, I'm confused, but I didn't think girls were allowed in that clubhouse. I thought it was like a stinky boys only kind of like. She's no G U R L Z allowed by marriage. <laughs> uh, and I, I think it's that she's a pro who agrees with them, so you know they'll take anybody they can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, her husband's like a real like, you know jerk off and she but so so i thought it was interesting i was like you know i don't there wasn't anything of brew baker and phillips like talking about like replacing her they just like oh jacob phillips is the new colorist and yeah um it was one of those like after a couple like i don't know a year it was like wait a minute like they've done i mean they she was i think she won an eisner for their work together like they had a real real collaboration for you know, maybe a decade. And well, then every time gone, every time a new criminal there, came there out, was no, it was winning Eisner's. There was Harvard's no conversation and, about it. Yeah. Well, I, I can, and also I can see him not wanting to make a big stink about it and just be like, yep, we're done with that. So just going to go with uh, my son who is coming up and he's good at it. So screw you. Thanks. You know, why make a big thing out of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get in like Ed Brubaker doesn't have any sort of social media presence. So I'm, you know, I'm not surprised that it didn't get like talk, but it's just one of those, like, it wasn't even like a bleeding cool story. Like it just kind of, mm, right. like nobody, no, nobody's mentioning that this is a thing that like, she's kind of a high profile, actual professional rather than some mouth breathing amateur comic skater. Like she's, you know, 
They, they could put Eisner Award winning yeah. on the cover of whatever vaguely racist, misogynistic garbage they have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we'll um, see if Bleeding Cool listens so, to this show, I guess, when that story pops up next week. So, you know. <laughs> all right, hey, you, you pr- good promotion for you guys. There you go. Um, they'll, they'll hear they'll hear, hear about my new haircut. Um, <laughs> but, um, and also, um, <laughs> Old Haunts is a new uh, book. It's the Ollie Masters and um, Rob Williams and uh, Lawrence Campbell. It's one of those, like, a what's it? A W A. Oh yeah. Writers, yeah. Yep. Artesian things. Um, and it's like a it's like a crime horror book ish where these gangsters are being haunted by their like former misdeeds, and um, it's off to a pretty good start. So that's like a couple new oh, nice. titles for people if they're looking for something new that's not superhero. Fair um, enough. Um, I've I've been I've been wanting I've been wanting something from that company to. Um, to hook me because I've tried a couple and they haven't yet. So I'm, I'll definitely check that one out. Yeah. I love anything Rob Williams does. So I was on board. Um, and one superhero thing, um, the last couple issues of Superman with Bendis and Kevin McGuire have been like unbelievably great. They've been um, wonderful. Yeah. They've been wonderful. Like so good. And, um, Oh man, this, this week's issue where he's like basically in therapy with Dr. Fate. <laughs> yeah. God damn. Uh, was so nice. <laughs> well, and a nice breather too. Is what's going on. We're just like, let's just step back for a second and what, and have like a kick-ass conversation with a character that we haven't even thought about in DC comics for quite a while. <laughs> you know, it was great. God, I loved it. Brian, we've got some it other people funny. trying to get in here. So I'm going to cut you off here, but it was good to talk to you, brother. Sounds good guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brian. 402-819-4894 is your number. Call us. Yeah. Superman and Dr. Fate just having like a little heart to heart. <laughs> yeah. It killed me. So real quick, if we can squeeze in before we get another call, uh, Andre Gutierrez on the chat said, Hey guys, it's my birthday. I have a question for you. The first MP3 I ever sent was complaining about Bendis and how he's ruined Superman in general, especially by aging up John. Go ahead. Finish Put a pin in that. Yeah. No, go ahead. Finish up. I, I, All right. Call her. Uh, you guys defended him a bit, saying that it might be worth it with the plans for him to join the Legion. Now, several months later, do you still defend his creative ideas or do you think he's ruining everything he touches? I just don't get that stance. I'm sorry. I don't get it either. Yeah, I I've, think the Superman comics that he's writing right now are some of the best Superman comics that I've literally read in 20 years. Now, I look, I, I can appreciate the people that were huge fans of like the Super Sons. And John and Damien being kids and having to, like, I get it. Yeah. Damien's still a kid. You got 50% of it. Come on, man. But I, I really enjoy John being like traditional Superboy age running around with a Legion. Yeah. And it wouldn't make sense if they sent him the biggie with the Legion as a little kid. That would just be silly. So, right. all right. We got a caller on the line better. here. Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? <laughs> JD got a catch. Okay. What was that? You were just squawking, JD? <laughs> I was just trying to find something random to get you guys' attention away from DC. <laughs> what do you want to rap about today? Uh, well, uh, starting off, uh, just, I uh, got caught up in a couple books. I've been, uh, delving into the, uh, comicsology unlimited library a little bit. And a bunch of new first issues are available, not new, but a bunch of first issues from some pretty big books that I had kind of slept on are available like uh, little bird, and uh, bitter root. Yeah. 
Bitter Root's really good. I love Bitter Root. Yeah. Yeah, both of those are really good. Now, the thing that I found really weird about Comixology Unlimited is it's really inconsistent. Like, uh, the f- Little, Little Bird, uh, the first issue is available for free on Unlimited, and then issues two through five are 89 cents a piece, which is great. Yeah. That's the pretty, that's collected cheap. edition, which collects issues one through five, is $16. Yeah. Come on, Comixology. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I mean, really. I mean, <laughs> un- unless it is like a conscious, I've seen them do this a lot. And unless it's like a conscious decision where they're saying we're not selling as many single issues as we like, let's make them so damn cheap that we yeah. can push those or something. But you also could lower the collected edition, I don't know, five bucks even, you know? So I'm sorry, like, uh, I, I may have missed the part. Uh, are these Comixology originals? No, no. no. We're t- just talking about, li- like, no, Little Bird. No, this is Little Bird. The Image book. So this is not on Comixology. This is on Image. Comixology doesn't set the price. So Image is doing that? Image puts out a trade. It's sixteen ninety nine in print or in tr- or in digital. That's Image's decision. So it must just be their really? hard line then. Of our trades cost this yeah, much. Like, deal with can it. Can you um, can you imagine submitting your comic book to a service and saying, "Okay, this is the price," and the service goes, "You bet, it's five bucks." No, I mean, I I had an idea. Well, I, I My think, idea but was I they share figure something is out. Doing that with the single issues. Well, I think that they have lots of sales and the companies must agree to this. Yeah, they have to agree to it and yeah. say, yes, we'll do that to push uh, it or whatever. But like, it's, it's not, it's like buying a digital comic, you know, it's like buying something on Amazon or, well, that's a bad example because of deep discounts, but yeah. like the price is set by the publisher, not by the distributor. But it's silly. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. I mean. <clears throat> I uh, still don't get it. Cause I mean, literally I was like, do, if you do the math, I mean, it costs me you know, four bucks to get all four or to get all the issues <laughs> instead of 16. Yeah. yeah I really mean, it's weird. definitely a puzzler. I, and, and to yeah. me, that's just like, yeah, it, it, it's silly, but you know what? Be an, uh, an informed consumer. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Well, you put little, you put little bird in the search people, box on comicsology. Get these issues because for four bucks, you can get the entire first, arc of yeah. little bird and yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking amazing and same with bitter root yeah definitely right. i guess it really depends yeah, how like, big of a I, fan I you know, are though like there must be some sort of like it, it may it may even be that uh the publishers authorize these sale prices on singles they have to there's no way but, they have yeah, to. like comiXology is not setting the price on brand new comics they, that's just right. that's the publisher's No, job. I'm sure they have some, you know, agreement. It just seems silly. Unless Image is just trying to push single-issue downloads, which makes sense, I guess. They're probably... Yeah, this Maybe they make more money on those. I don't know. It's really weird. There's been... There's some strangeness going on in digital comics in general. Like, even at the Lake House with uh, Marvel, uh, one week I logged on to see what the new comics were, and the first five issues of the new Thor run were dropped all at once. Oh, really? Yeah. They weren't already. Yeah, almost like the first arc of like the, uh, the, 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 the Herald of Thunder arc. Oh, the new, new with, one. Wow. Yeah. The new, new one. By the yeah, way, the, the, uh, the, uh, hair metal, 
Thor. This Thor run is so goddamn good. We were all Oh, upset. yeah, yeah, yeah. That fight between him and Beta Ray Bill was- Oh, my God. It was oh amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, like, we were all so upset I wonder when Jason Aaron left. Like, I know that they're releasing a lot of, like, Marvel has been putting out a lot of, like, arcs up for free on the app during the pandemic. Yeah when comics kind of went away for a while, they're like, Hey, it's yeah. all right. We've got some stuff for you to read. Just come to the app and read it. I wonder if, and I wonder if it was part of that. Now they also recently announced that they closed their digital store. Yeah. So you can no longer buy comics through comic, through Marvel unlimited or through the Marvel app. You can only get them through an unlimited subscription or buy them through comiXology. Mm-hmm. Which, which is interesting because it feels like they're consolidating the the uh, the distribution, making Comicsology almost the digital diamond. Yeah, yeah boy, I boy, I'll I will really be looking forward to this crashing and burning in twenty five years, <laughs> and uh, DC deciding to strike out on their own with two smaller <laughs> digital platforms. No, yeah. I have a feeling it's just not worth it for them. So they're like, yeah, you want to do a Comicsology? take it we're perfectly happy with the money we make on people that have subscriptions and we can control what we yeah. put up there and whatever you know it, it, and i almost i almost wonder if they got a spike in subscriptions and if that's the truth i wonder if the the model became profitable quite possibly you know it when digital comics were first starting to become more pervasive mm -hmm. everybody had an app like dark yeah. horse had their own app yeah Oh, Marvel yeah, had their that, own yeah. app, DC. And it's, it's like, uh, I get it. I get it. But it's kind of like having 18 different streaming surfaces and refusing <laughs> yeah. to pay for cable. It's like, uh -huh. I would say it is and it isn't. I would say, yes, it does get, I mean, there's, you end up having 15 different streaming services if you want to read these comics. But at the same time, you already have 15 different comic companies putting out floppies as well. And we never, but I get them all from know. one place. I guess that's true. Yeah, you go to the like, comic shop and get to them all there. Different stores that, yeah. I don't have to log into five different websites to get my five comics for the week. Well, I had my Valiant comic shop, and then I had a Dark Horse comic shop, and then I had a DC comic <laughs> shop, and then in like the Marvel comic shop. I hated going there, but I had to get my Marvel comics, you know? I had to go all the way to Lincoln <laughs> to get my uh, Eclipse comics. The good thing is they were all in the same block, so I could just like walk down the street, you know? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. what? So what? Did you go to Council Bluffs for your Xenoscope? Yeah, all my Xenoscope uh, stuff look, in Council I have Bluffs. to go where nobody knows me. Yeah, I had a fake name <laughs> in my profile there too. Like I am picking up my comics for Robert Johnson. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and look, if I if I walked into that shop to get my Xenoscope comics, and Carl Smith happened to be there, we just both knew. Yeah. Not to acknowledge no, it. Carl's looking yeah. at something even dirtier than I am. And I'm just yeah, like, you hey, know, man, he is. you do you, whatever. You know he is. <laughs> so before you, before, uh, before you let me go, Matt, I wanted to address something a little more serious. Uh, when back when the uncle Warren stuff was going on, you asked uh, the nerds to explain how we go forward. Right. Right. Okay, and you said you're not selling your books and all of that, and you were kind of how weirded out on how you felt about that. Uh, I wrote a I wrote a piece that I'm submitting for publication somewhere, and uh, I came up with a conclusion on how I'm going to go forward with that, and that is with any of these creators that are problematic, whether it's J.K. Rowling, Joss Whedon, Warren Ellis, uh, any piece of 
media of theirs that I engage with and that I, you know, consume and enjoy, rather than try to tear them down and cancel them, I'm going to build up. So for every Rowling film I watch going forward, I'm going to seek out a work by a trans creator. That's awesome. For every piece of, you know, for every comic that I read of Ellis's, I'm going to seek out one by a female creator. Yeah, that's awesome. For every piece. But, you know, and, and so rather than engaging in cancel culture, let's engage and lift everyone up. The idea is, is if we can get these marginalized creators' voices amplified enough, they become the signal and the others are the noise. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that really well thought out too. I like that. I might co-op that and say I came up with it if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, I mean, cool. like, <laughs> that's, I, that's I, what I, I do. Part, it's, it's part of my love steal contract, your guys' right? ideas. That's what I do. Right. <laughs> Jay, like if I'm being perfectly JD. honest with with myself and with the world, like I'm going to reread Transmetropolitan again eventually. Yeah, I mean that's just it. Yeah. I, I hate because I love it. I, hate I love what it. That it's one of my favorite did. things ever. I think it's absolutely appalling, but. At the same time, I can't deny that those he wrote some of my favorite comic books ever written. It's, well, yeah, but I mean, do? on the same front, though, I mean, the same guy that puts that put the Suicide Girls in almost every comic script he wrote in yeah. the early two thousand. Oh yeah, is it any shock to us that he became the that he was the the dirty old man? No, and that's just <laughs> it. Nobody went like, no, not Warren Ellis. They were like. Ah, yeah. fuck. <laughs> you know? Exactly. It's like, shit. Yeah, I guess we saw that coming, you know, like the day. But, that- but it's like, you know, for me, it's like for every Ellis comic I read going forward, I'm also going to promote a Kaylin Smith or, uh, or I mean, I, I don't think Kelly Thompson needs my help anymore. But, I think Kelly's doing, you fun. know, but things like that. I mean, you know, just, and hopefully, cause I think one of the big discussions that came out of the Ellis thing was the bigger problem being this incestuous old boys club of a comic book industry that yeah. requires young creators to tie themselves to an established creator, creating that power imbalance. Right. And that it makes it possible for these guys to do this crap. The same shit happened in Hollywood. Same exact shit happened right. in politics, you know, and like, it's, it's disgusting. And it's time for the old boy networks to be torn down. JD, it's always good to talk to you, but I got other people trying to bust in here, man. So I'm gonna cut you off. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. It's, Hi, buddy. it's funny and correct me if I'm wrong, but with the JK Rowling stuff, she seems to be Harry Potter specifically seems to be in a sort of special place because with a lot of these other people that fucked up and got called out and were like, I'm not buying their shit anymore and I'm getting rid of their stuff. I didn't see anybody saying like, fuck you, Harry Potter. I am done. I'm burning my Harry Potter books. It seemed like the fans were like, look, we all agree we love Harry Potter, right? We agree. It's fine. Harry Potter is not to blame. <laughs> you know? But fuck you, J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Thank you for calling THN cover to cover. Caller, who this? Good morning, gentlemen. Tweedly, deedly, deep. David Robbins calling D- in. David Robbins, how are you, buddy? Hello, David. Hey, guys. I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. What are we rapping about today? Well, um, first, I want to just tag up on uh, JD's comment and uh, share a phrase that, you know, I know you guys aren't huge Kevin Smith you know, fans much anymore, but he has a phrase that he likes to use with everything. It's, it's easier to light a candle than it is to curse the darkness. Yeah. And, you know, like he was saying, seek out creators and lift them up as opposed to just yelling about the ones who are shitty. Yeah, exactly. You know? 
Frank Cirillo mentioned H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft was a super racist dude. Now, you could say oh, absolutely. different times or whatever, sure. But he was a straight-up racist dude. He had a no, cat that he, he named— terrible. He had a cat named N-Word Man. That was the name of his black cat, you know? So <laughs> that is problematic. Well, is he a fantastic the, horror writer? Without a doubt. One of the best, you know? Sure. Um, but you also have the, the, the upside of that kind of stuff where he doesn't make a dime on anything Cthulhu-related because it's all public domain. Right. That's true. Yeah. So don't so, feel bad. There's that. You can support um, cool anyway, people writing this stuff. Uh, so I was calling in because I wanted to uh, answer the question of the week. Hit us. Let's talk lore. Okay, lore. So um, I thought about this a little bit, and there's a lot of good lore out there. Um, you know, uh, you guys know what a fan I am of the Buffyverse, but that's problematic at this point. Um, I love Harry Potter. That's problematic at this point. Um, I could have gone Supernatural. Um, could have gone, uh, you know, a number of different directions. I'm going world of darkness. I'm going vampire, the masquerade. Oh man. Um, for, for I, 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 we've had this conversation I know, before. I know. I'm not Say judging you. you. Want about <laughs> the game and the people that you don't care for. I, the I lore could, that I could, they have created. I could both see sorry, and feel Matt bombs body <laughs> physically. <laughs> clench yeah, yeah. I was like Ooh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I knew that this was going to be his reaction yeah. I absolutely knew that oh, of course of course of course but the the lore in that game is extremely rich and the fact that just if you just look at vampire that lore is extremely rich but the fact that everything in that game is also tied to the lore of werewolf the apocalypse also tied to the lore of Wraith the Oblivion and Mage the Ascension and uh, Changeling the Dreaming. All of that stuff is connected and interwoven in such a way that it's, it's, it's fantastic. Um, just starting with Vampire, they say, okay, the Old Testament happened. Adam, Eve, um, Cain, and Abel. Cain kills Abel. God kicks Cain out of the garden. This is where Cain meets Lilith who winds up turning Cain into the first vampire. And goes on to marry Frasier. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, prefer to think, I prefer to think that that Lilith went on and married Gomez Adams, but that's besides the point. Um, to just go Broadway on that. But Cain becomes the first vampire, and all of the other vampires in that lore are descended from Cain. Okay. So it's all tied to all of that. Let me just clarify something real quick. I yeah. don't think there is any problem with the Vampire Masquerade story, lore, and you're not the first person to tell me how rich and how well-written it is, and I'm fine with that. It's just the LARPers, man. It's the LARPers that kill Absolutely. me. I'm sorry. <laughs> it kills me. No, it's, it's fine. We've had that conversation. I know. And I haven't forgotten about <laughs> the, the, the plans to, to put that tabletop game together. My life has been upside down for the past you know, six months. Really? So, I heard know, the whole rest of the world is doing really well, though. So, I mean, you're alone there. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, but I, I'm going to get that together. I'm going to, I want to share the, the lore of this game and, and show you that it's the people that were the thing that, that bothered you. It's, sure. There are people like that in every group. There of are course. people like that of course. Who, who play any kind of, of role-playing game. There are people who are shitty on MMOs. There are people who are shitty in board game groups. There are people who are shitty in our comic book fandom. Yes. Like that, oh, there yeah, are yeah. shitty people in everything. And to be fair, and you can't, I'm not even talking about shitty people. I'm not, it's not even that. This is my bullshit. 
This is me being the shitty guy, okay? Going like, that kind of nerd is worse than the kind of nerd I am. I'm the problem. I full on admit it, okay? <laughs> I just like, I would look at that LARPer shit and I'd just be like, that is so fucking lame, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you're looking at vampire players the way everybody here in my hometown of Milwaukee looked at people attending Gen Con before it was cool. Yes, that is 100% what I'm talking about. I'm being the shithead, okay? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Justin Robert Fletcher swoops in with the kill shot. Once again, the WWE fan criticizes criticizes LARPing. WWE. <laughs> first of all, wrestling is an American art form and one of the only truly American art forms, in my opinion. Uh -huh. but second, I am not the biggest WWE fan anymore because it's been so fucking terrible as of late. And I would throw my weight behind AEW any day of the week. Okay. But yes, it's it's one nerd. I admit it. It's one nerd calling out a different kind of nerd and going, you're a nerd. Like, okay, whatever. I just always thought it was so lame. Now, let me ask you this. The, yes. On the lore front, I assume they write books about this stuff too? Like there's novels? I know there were some comics. Oh, there, there are, there's a new comic actually coming out um, in about three weeks from Vault. Um, there, there's a new comic launching for Vampire the Masquerade, um, issue one uh, from Vault Comics, coming out, I think, on, on August 1st. Okay. Um, we'll but review there, it. There I... were some old comics that um, are probably out of print. They're from Moonstone. Yeah, there was a Moonstone. handful of them back then. Oh yeah, Moonstone. Um, mm -hmm. Yep. There are a, uh, there's a bunch of novels um, from 15, 20 years ago at this point. Um, they did a, a, a series called the Clan Novel Series, which was a 13 book story that each book focused on one of the main clans and advanced the story a little bit forward, Jesus. but started back before the previous one ended. So it was kind of looping around telling this one big story from a member of each clan's specific perspective. Sort of like Terry Pratchett's um, Ring World type stuff. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. Um, but they've had some trilogies focusing on some clans. There's been some other novels. Um, there is a, a book, like a, a, a game reference book, called Beckett's Jihad Diary. <laughs> um, Beckett is a character within the lore who is himself a researcher and a, a kind of a lore master. Okay. So it's, it's the guy that goes around to try and find the, the truth of their own history. That's pretty cool. I, I like how and meta that is. That's cool. So, so that book is, is available out there. You can get it on PDF from drive through. Um, it was a Kickstarter at one point, um, but it is a, it's a game reference book that is pretty much mostly lore and has a lot to do with things that happened in, you know, my hometown of Milwaukee. So there's, there's like they just tell all sorts of stuff in there. The great thing about the game and the lore in that is you can pick and choose what you want. They've 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 said um, everything is canon, and whatever you don't want to be canon in your game, you can use it or not. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They've, I mean, D and D has done similar stuff advanced, too. Yeah, yeah, D and D does it. D and D does it too. But you know, Wizards is is a lot of they're they're, they're a lot more. Um, judicious as to what they say is official canon right you know they have they have fun stuff that gets put out for a while you know by people fan created stuff that it's here's the princess class and here's you know this kind of stuff that it's it's put out there as jokes and as, as silliness sure but what's what's official uh for for wizards and for D D, they're a lot of they're really judicious about it um vampire and world of darkness has the thing called the storyteller's vault uh, it's available on, on drive-thru RPG. 
you can make your own content. They give you formatting tools. They give you guidelines. That's fun. And you can put it up for publishing for publishing on drive through with their official uh, branding on it and storyteller vault thing. So it's just fan created content. Use it if you want, but we're authorizing them to make this. So it's like GURPS back in the day, but you have a place where you can be like, Hey, here's the, uh, adolescent radioactive jujitsu gerbils <laughs> RPG that I came up with. Like if you want to play it and you can put it on the site, basically. Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah. That's just like GURPS write a or, or Rift where it was like yeah. generic yeah. role-playing, you know, that's cool. Yeah. You write your own content. You say like, so there's the, the, the vampire world has specific books for that are, you know, blank by night. Um, the, the most recent one for fifth edition, they just released a giant hardcover for Chicago by night. But in previous editions, there's been LA, New York, Montreal, um, like Milwaukee, Boston. There's all sorts of, of different books that are blank city by night. And it's all very real city, world setting, right? Like it, it's all very real world setting, except there are vampires and werewolves and mages. Absolutely. And okay. the, the world of darkness is our world plus. Cool. That's interesting. So like the, the, like there's a, a minor difference that like silver is more expensive in the world of darkness than gold is because silver is deadly to werewolves. Right. Makes sense. So the market has shifted and there's that kind of things that are different. Yeah. Um, what I was saying with the, the, the city by night, if you have a book that you guys want to make for, um, you know, uh, Omaha by night, because there isn't one, you guys can write it, put it up on storytellers vault, create your own NPCs, put your own stuff in there, put your own location to settings as to what you want legend to be or what you want, you know, yada, yada, yada to be and put it up there and people could buy it and see your work and put it in their own game if they want. That's fun. So this community is still pretty lively. I take it. This isn't like an, Oh, absolutely. Dead. It is. Yeah. Like would... they, they just released fifth edition about two years ago, um, which advanced their meta plot and their lore forward even more that now uh, cell phones are really, really dangerous because the government knows that supernatural creatures are, are around and the second inquisition is happening. Oh, it's not the church anymore. It's the United States government. Oh, so the world is aware that this is happening. It's not like a secret. The, the world isn't aware. The government's aware. Uh, ooh. Sure. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's kind of like, that's kind of how Buffy was, right? They, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the, yep. uh, what the hell was that called? The initiative? It wasn't the, the initiative. initiative, was it? David, yeah, I got some other initiative. people trying to call in, so I'm going to hang up on you, but we'll continue talking about this. Thank you. And again, nothing wrong with the lore. It was just me being a shithead about LARPing. That's all. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> Thanks for your Thanks, call, David. Yeah, Buffy was very similar in the in the same sense. I didn't think of it like that, but yeah, like the like the general. Uh, well, I I think. There were people who were a little bit more aware of it, but in general, yeah, it, it was a secret. Okay, fair enough. Thank you for calling THN Cover to Cover. Caller, who this? Hey, it's Frank. Frank! How are you? Good, man. Right. We sound- pulled you until you called. You didn't sound bad last week. You yeah, were fine, yeah. brother. Chill on? out. Come on. No, I said calling. So, yeah, hey, how you doing? I'm just going to try to keep it brief, though. I'm waiting for someone to pick up some shoes. Yeah, that sounds unusual. Yeah, it really does. That sounds like a code. I got got shoes from my kid that he grew out of. Oh, okay. I see. So if I got to go real quick, that's why. Yeah, yeah, Um, So I'm going to keep it quick. How are you today? Good. We're doing well. Awesome. Joe Patrick. Joe Patrick. I'm doing what you're doing, man. Yes, sir. That stuff is awesome. Thank you, I love it. It's so great, you know? And um, so my lore, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question of the week. 
my lore, I thought about this, and I kept going back and forth between like two or three things, and it was um, it was between Doctor Who and Star Trek and Dungeons and Dragons. I kind of let the Dungeons and Dragons one go because it's all over the place. But I'm going with Star Trek because Star Trek lore has always been, for me, has always been like sort of a guiding principle in my entire life, like how they see the world. You know, I mean, the flaws of the 60s TV show are like really glaringly evident right now. But back then, when people watched that stuff, it was groundbreaking. Oh, yeah. You know, you didn't have you didn't have like pointy eared green skin guys who look like the devil. You didn't have, you know, black women in command positions. Yeah. You know, so it was it was a very it, it was very influential for me as a kid. And I and I still hold to a lot of those beliefs that they have in Star Trek, that everyone is created equal, that everyone deserves the same rights and the same treatment as everybody else does. And to take that away is just is unthinkable. You know, like look at the episode with one of my, you know, like everybody probably it's not everybody's favorite episode, but it, I, I like it a lot. The one with. Sam Cogley, the, the lawyer who's just and he just goes and he, he goes into the the a deep dive into into the law and rights and everything. And, and, I, and I love that. And all of all of the stuff that all of the stuff that Star Trek just kind of put forward. And the best thing about Star Trek is and, and continues to be is they change with the times. Yes, it's, you know, not not unlike, you know, not unlike Doctor Who. Doctor Who changes with the times as well. But in the sense that like Star Trek, the way that it changes, they are always trying to tell a modern day story about a problem that we are currently dealing with in a futuristic oh, yeah. sci-fi setting. Whereas like Star Trek grew, changed and, and constantly mm -hmm. evolved. Whereas Star Wars has been held in this like lockstep. This is exactly yeah. what it will be. And it is a snake mm -hmm. eating its own tail. And that is, the you know. And that's right. a different discussion, and, but man, Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, and do you notice, do you notice that I'll, I'll, I'll get back to the star, star Trek in a second, but do you notice how star Wars now star Wars came out in 1977. I saw it when I was a kid. I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. I saw, I continue to watch it. Star Wars. And I will, I, I will go to my grave saying that star Wars is for kids. It is. Every star Wars movie has of been course. for kids. It is. If you're an adult and you're criticizing it, it's like, come on, it's for kids. It, if you don't like it, then don't see it. But I, I, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed the last three movies. I know that the last three movies, the, the, the last one, the whatever, Last Jedi, got the worst reviews. But you know what? I enjoyed the movie for what it was. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was interesting. It, it didn't fur really further the plot along. It, it was a little silly here and there. But you know what? This is a movie for kids. You know? But yeah. the other thing about the, so I'll wrap up with this about Star Trek. Star Trek, if you look at Star Trek that was made in, the next generation Star Trek made in the nineties and Deep Space Nine made in the nineties. Mm -hmm. You look at that stuff, they are telling stories that absolutely apply to what we are going to through right now. You know, and, and I off the top of my head I cannot think of one because I'm like I'm thinking somebody's somebody's like coming to pick up some my my kids' old shoes, but <laughs> Well Deep Space um, Nine was a perfect yeah. like look at like the Middle East tensions in the Middle East. And and what are these yeah. people even oh, yeah. fighting for? It's been so long since they started fighting, they don't even know anymore. And we can't even oh, yeah. bring them to the table, you know, to right. discuss this right. stuff because the tensions were so hot. And that's exactly what was going on in the news at the time as well. I mean, yeah. It's yep. an amazing series. And you're hundred percent right. Star Trek is for adults. Star Wars know, is for I'm kids. Hey, listen, I gotta get going. My, my go, Frank. Go. My, 
All right, guys, great talking to you. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Frank. Yeah. All right. Okay. And whenever somebody comes comes at me with that, oh, screw you, man, Star Wars, all the way, 100% Star Wars, I'm like, that's fine. But let me ask you this. Which universe would you rather live in? Which Star one? Trek. Yeah, absolutely Star Trek. Hands down, <laughs> Star Trek. No question. The Star Wars universe looks like you're either a Nazi or you live in the dirt, you know? <laughs> and like, I don't want to do either of those, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if you don't, if you're somebody that says that they don't want to live on a Federation planet. Right. You are a, li- a liar. Right. I'm sorry. You're a reactionary You're lunatic, you know, anarchist asshole. <laughs> Probably. <so. laughs> All right. 402-819-4894. We got time for maybe one, maybe two more. Do you guys want to call in? Uh, speaking of Star Trek, earlier on in the chat, Patrick said his favorite lore is Data's brother. Hey, oh. <laughs> Yeah, that he was tapping the microphone after. I was like, is this thing on? <laughs> yeah, I saw, yeah. Uh, just catching up on the chat. We've got um, we've got something just truly filthy from John Littrell that I am not going to read. Gross. But also what we come to expect. So, yeah. At least he's uh, on brand. Sarah, Sarah Taverdick says the Sopranos lore is so rich and complex, weaving original and tragic characters with real historical figures and also characters who blend the two. It spans decades and even has its own retcon issues with the prologue movie coming out, fucking with the timeline. By the way, this is John. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Sorry, I'm giving the credit to Sarah. Yeah. Thank you for your message, Sarah. We're just, from now on, anytime John does not call in, we're just going to be like, hey, thanks, Sarah. Always good to talk to you, Sarah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Man, I totally agree, though. The Star Trek lore is, it, it was hard for me not to just pick that one, but like, I just had to go a little deeper with something that I didn't feel was as well represented you know where like because star trek has been novels and tv and movies it's so fleshed out it's fantastic and hardcore creators have done the heavy work i kind of like the stuff like what david robbins was saying about vampire where like fans get involved and stuff you know and like things get co-opted a little bit here and there and we don't really know so we sort of had to come up with some stuff here (laughs) sure uh jason Sachs writes i can't join today uh he's on a ferry he's currently on a ferry his answer to the question of the week is the bprd universe yeah it's wonderful. I like how sprawling and scary it is, how flawed everyone is, how deep the consequences are for failure. Yes. Totally. How it has a long history and how the survivors are affected by everything around them. It's a real feeling world, yet everything is very strange, too. Uh, couldn't agree more. The Hellboy BPRD universe is an amazing piece of fiction. And, man. Like, long-form fiction. If you haven't read those go grab them. They're wonderful horror books. They're still a really cool team book, but unlike Marvel comics or DC comics where, you know, Oh God, the planet cracked in half and Superman's dead. Don't worry. He'll be fine in a month or two. Shit happens. And it's bad. So bad that the world ended (laughs) at the end of it. Basically. Yeah. That was that like we, the BPRD lost big time and they knew they were losing for a long time as well. Because it's just like these supernatural threats got bigger and bigger and they didn't have a Captain Marvel or a Superman, you know, to punch these giant demons in the face. It's just like 
we're just going to get eaten and turn into frogs, I guess. And this is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it was I horrifying. I mean, like they retitled the book Hell on Earth and it was literally you know, on the on the earth of that universe. Uh, it was the apocalypse for yeah. years. Yeah. And it was bad. And the earth slowly melted down. And, and they, they didn't recover. And they lost. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. All right, it's, guys. It's so good. We are going to get to the voicemails and whatnot that you sent in. Thank you to everybody that tunes in and calls and chats with us. I would like to hear from more of you. I know there's some lurkers out there. Call us, okay? And Frank, don't you dare ever cut yourself down for calling in. Nobody cares what we sound like. We're here to talk, okay? No judgment. If you want to call in and sing, we'll judge you maybe, but it'll still be funny. So please call us 402-819-4894. Play along. We love uh, you guys. While we, while we have just a minute or two here, I know that nobody's calling, but um, I just really want to circle back around real quick uh, to Andre's call or Andre's message about uh, oh, Superman Bendis, and Superman. Bendis. Yeah. I am really loving Bendis's work on the Superman books. Like I understand he's changing things and people don't like it, but Superman has not felt like himself for so long to me that I'm, I finally feel like those books are in a place where I can look at it and recognize Superman as I know him. Yeah. Now, and I don't know how old Andres is, but there are also people that came into comics during the new 52 or it's during, true you know uh this last reset and they got to know superman a certain way and they think I will he say, needs to wear nanotech battle armor yeah right. <laughs> that's i'm not going to go into that but superman definitely had a voice that was reminiscent of the character as like you and i understand him and old school superman nerds understand him but bendis has definitely just threw on the emergency brake and said, no, we're going back to Superman. This is how he talks. This is how he acts. This is his world. Deal with it. And I can see how right. that is a real whiplash for some readers. With that said, I think it's wonderful. Like my, my barometer for whether or not somebody understands Superman goes all the way back to the first Superman movie where he rescues Lois from the helicopter and he sets her down and she asks, who are you? And he says, a friend. Yeah. And then he leaves. If Superman is not acting like a friend to everyone, he's not Superman to me. Yeah, absolutely. And Bendis' Superman acts like a friend. But not just that, he's able to do the big blue cheese in a way that it's not cloying and it's not dumb and he doesn't seem ignorant or power or stu or powerless in certain situations, right. which was a trap sometimes when they were trying to like Captain America is another character that's very difficult to write for those same reasons. It's easy right. to just be like, he's always a boy scout and he's always on the side of good and yada, yada, you know, except for the times when the government thinks he's bad, but he's secretly doing the good. Like it's difficult and it cannot be easy to write a character like that, make it believable and make him stick to his or her own, you know, reality, not reality, but morals and whatnot and stay relevant. And I think Bendis has done a wonderful job of that. Like the big blue cheese is definitely there. No question, but it's executed really well. I agree. Uh, we have a couple of written answers from 
the question of the week post, CJ Dan is a big fan of the lore that sprang up around the various uh, colored lantern cores. And I agree for a long time. That was fun until they just kept doing it over and over and over and over and over and didn't stop. It was like the only thing that happens in green lantern now. (laughs) Uh, Morgan Faisant de Champ Chanel, our French, our French baguette. Dear THN, I have an answer, which is not exactly my favorite lore, but I would uh, it would be the one that I would love the most to see in comics. Uh, the mythologies of the sub-Saharan Africa. Oh, wow. Uh, above all, the one from Hausa tradition. Uh, I know that, that uh, Nigerian uh, Nigerians are all, <clears throat> pardon me. I know Nigerians are already doing comics, but I would love to see this with a deeper historical root. Uh, even better set in the pre-colonial period. Uh, this is not the first time Morgan's expressed that interest. He posted something similar uh, in on the forums once. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, you know, we get Wakanda, which is fictional. Right. But yeah, you don't see a lot of African mythology in mainstream comics that's another great question we should do what's your favorite mythology because mythology and lore different things you know i mean like mythology at one point somebody worshipped some of this some of these people's gods so sure you know back to the bendis thing we were just talking about how like there there is this online group of people that just hate it and that's fine if you don't like something but the reactions and again and i brought up how it's not like a comics gate any thing either where it's like there's too many black people there's too many women or it's not like that they're just like we hate it he is ruining these comics how do you get how is he not only is he ruining these (laughs) comics he's ruining dc yeah And there's another school of thought that Jeff Johns is guilty of this as well. And I don't understand. I don't love 100% of everything that Jeff Johns has written, but I don't think that there is an argument that he has, quote, ruined anything he's done. In fact, I would argue that he has fixed 90% of what he's been, like, assigned to do, (laughs) you know? Like, I... I'm going to make a statement here and I don't want to give the guy like all the credit in the world, but I'm, I I'm pretty confident saying that if it wasn't for the work Jeff Johns did to rehabilitate and relaunch things like the JSA, the flash green lantern, we would not have the Arrowverse. Oh, without a doubt. Without it. Like there's just no way. No. And we, yeah, it, it, not just that, let's scale it way back. We wouldn't have those characters in comics, period. Jeff Johns took a real risk with characters like the JSA. I mean, seriously, think about the time when he relaunched that. And he comes to DC and he's like, hey, I want to bring back Sandy. Credit where it's due, it was David Goyer and James Robinson that started the book, but he came on really quick, like six issues That's in. true, yeah. But I mean, but even, like, even he, elevating the flash. He has, he has shepherded these ideas these concepts and whether or not you think that it's always been great like i think that jeff johns is responsible for keeping a lot of these things alive totally i think barry and hal are definitely not the characters they are today without jeff johns no question i mean and hey look i'd be i'd be one of those guys that stands on the side of well maybe we didn't need to have barry back but whatever yeah but you can't argue that he did a great job with it right all right let's get to these voicemails First one comes from our very own BS the three. 
Third is Black Scorpion. Number three, calling from Parts Unknown. Uh, fourth, the question of the week, and to ask you guys a question, too. Um, so the question was about lore in comics, and my favorite piece of lore uh, involves um, the Spear of Destiny. So why didn't all the superheroes yes. in the DC Universe swoop in and end World War II? Well, the Spear of Destiny would have converted them all to, uh, to Hitler's way of thinking, and uh, he would have joined the Axis powers. Um, if they came in proximity of it. I think it's an awesome piece of lore that did so much to just explain why atrocities continued in the world that we have heroes, and I love it to death. If you're looking to buy the first appearance of the Spirit of Destiny uh, um, in the DC Comics universe, it's actually in Weird War, War Tales number 50. It's like a $2 comic. So if you like that lore, if you like that artifact, that's where to go. Now, I have a question for you guys, though. Flashbacks are back, according to your last episode. And uh, I was interested if you guys had any uh, accounts of bad facts that you learned in comics, uh, tidbits of science that were blatantly untrue, uh, that, that may have, uh, um, I don't know, embarrassed you in a physics class or something when you were a kid. Anyways, that's all. Hope you're all well. Be well. Uh, yeah, that might be a holiday, but I think it's kind of uh, forgotten these days for a good reason. Okay, be well. Bye. So real quick, before we get into the flashbacks thing, the Spear of Destiny is a thing. Like, it is not just a DC Comics thing. It comes from I mean, this it thing is called... A, it is a piece of religious mythology. Yeah, it's the Holy Lance that the whatever Roman pierced the side of Christ with. It's the with. Spear of Longinus. Yeah. Yeah, pierced the side of Jesus while he was on the cross. And, like, didn't the librarian, wasn't that whole movie or that whole series about, like, Noah Wiley with the Spear of Destiny and shit? Like, wasn't that? Uh, they were all, after all sorts of, like, weird mystical artifacts, okay. but I, I didn't see much more than the first. Yeah, I love the Spear of Destiny. I love the idea that it was used in comics to keep the heroes out of Germany, and that's all they needed to do. To explain why Superman didn't just swoop in and fucking save the world. Yeah, I mean, really, because he's just like, sorry, Hitler, you're done. You know, and you just have to kill him. You just like take him to the North Pole and leave him there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, like, I think Marvel kind of gets a pass because their heroes, especially of that time, were on a much lower power scale. Uh, I mean, than can, like your Flashes and your Green Lanterns. You could argue Submariner was. Okay. Still pretty okay. overpowered. You got the Submariner. The Submariner. Uh, <laughs> like, the Submariner could have flown into Germany anytime he wanted to and wrecked everything. <laughs> nah. I, I just, I loved the idea of the Spear of Destiny. Hitler having a mystical way to protect himself from superheroic intervention. That's it's great, great little detail. Do we know who's credited with that? I'm going to say that it was probably Roy Thomas. In the 80s okay. with the uh, like all-star squadron type stuff. That's my guess. It's a cool idea. But I'm saying yeah. Germany has a coast. Submariner rides in on Giganto. He can end the World War. World War II. No problem. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing about Namor. He's not always really interested in ending World Wars. I mean, I guess. But he was an invader. He was right there. He was an invader. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, come on. Regardless. No Spear of Destiny. Has there been a Spear of Destiny in Marvel? Have they done that? They had to have, right? I don't think so. Really? It's never made an appearance in Marvel. I find that hard to believe. So the Spear of Destiny did, in fact, pop up in Marvel. Quite a bit in Spider-Man 2099, for some reason. Uh, Captain Marvel Volume 4, who's there. Magdalena Daredevil crossover dealt with the Spear of Destiny. <laughs> That's interesting. 
Okay, let's get to our final caller, MP3-er, Mr. Jimmy Randall. G'day, everybody. Jimmy Randall sending in my MP3 for answer to the question of the week. Really good question. Really good question. And my answer is Warhammer 40K related. Now, um, personally, I've been you know pretty much uh, nuts deep in Yay! 40K for over a year now. And I love it. It's got the best lore ever in anything ever, hands down. It's absolutely spectacular, especially the orcs. And specifically, the biology of the orcs in Warhammer 40k. It's freaking wild, you guys. Now, um, we have a guest tonight to help me explain all of this. He's the uh, head of orc physiology at the prestigious Turd Swaddle University. Please join me in welcoming <laughs> Professor Zippy Fartworthy Third. Welcome, Professor. Yes. Hello, Jimmy. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to my seminar on the biology of mushrooms with psychic abilities, commonly known as orcs from the Warhammer 40k universe. Now, why do I refer to orcs as psychic mushrooms? Well, dear listener, that's because that's exactly what orcs are. Orcs may appear like regular green-skinned bipeds, you know, two arms, legs, head, etc., but this is simply not the case. They are, in fact, bioorganic, fauna-based fungal beings, large walking mushrooms that appear to have traditional physiology. Now, the benefits of this are astounding. Wounds that would traditionally kill a creature who possesses internal organs and a skeletal structure will simply inconvenience the orc. In addition, they have no digestive system. Rather, orcs get energy through rudimentary photosynthesis. Orcs, however, they do not reproduce through traditional means, such as fucking with no condom on. Rather, orcs reproduce by means of spores, similar to some mushrooms we see here on Earth. Upon death, a single orc can release thousands of spores. Each spore has the potential to grow into an orc warrior. To this end, the preferred way to combat orc armies is through the process of exterminatus, where an entire planet is destroyed from orbit. Orcs also possess a fascinating communal psychic ability by themselves. Orcs possess little intelligence, and they have no capacity for psychic powers. Together, however, they are able to perform amazing feats of collective psychic and telekinetic magnitude. For example, if a large enough number of orcs believe in something, it becomes true. A ramshackle collection of scrap metal can almost magically become a tank or machine of war piloted by the orcs. A common understanding is orcs truly believe that painting their ships and speeders red will indeed make them go faster, and it works for them. Red paint applied to an orc machine does indeed speed it up. A broken plasma rifle will work in orc hands if they collectively believe it will. Fascinating. This does conclude the lecture. I hope you're all compelled to further investigate Warhammer 40k orc physiology. Oh, Thank you for your time here, Professor Fartworthy. Uh, it's been a pleasure. The, the pleasure is all mine, Jimmy. Oh, fuck you. Where's my $20, you piece of shit? Jesus. I gotta go take care of business, guys. <laughs> Bye. This spins very nicely into my answer, which is Warhammer 40,000. And the orc thing that he's talking about, it wasn't always like that. When they first started Warhammer, like the orcs were just orcs. But it became very quickly apparent that being orcs and being like sort of as dumb as they are, it doesn't make sense that they're as big of a danger 
to the Imperium, you know, and because the Imperium, like they have space Marines and huge ships and amazing weapons and stuff. Why wouldn't they just mop these guys up? And so they sort of back engineered them and like, aha, there's something going on here. You know, they sort of tie into the chaos magic and yeah, they are these kind of like fungal beings almost and shit and their beliefs. They don't even know it's magic. It just does what it does for them. And because of that, they're a huge threat and the Imperium doesn't understand them, doesn't want to know them, just wants to wipe them out of the universe. It's so cool. And they've constantly been going back in their lore because this has been going on for shit. I have no idea. Probably 40 years worth of this lore where they just go back and gently fix things or add things in that make an enemy scarier or even more dangerous and whatnot. I love the Warhammer 40,000 lore so much. It is probably the last universe that I would want to live in <laughs> as far as fictional universes go because <laughs> it's horrifying. It's absolutely <laughs> horrible, and everyone is terrible. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Jimmy, for your call, and thank you, Professor Fartworthy, for your expertise. I did not know that about orcs. Uh, my answer is, uh, you know, like, I could go on and on about any lore from any of the things that I love because I love fictional history. I love learning the details about a thing. Oh yeah. Give me a handbook, give me a chart, you know, I want to see a, a pie graph of the most powerful ships. Like <laughs> I want to know, give me deep down <laughs> info on the dumbest, smallest, stupidest thing. But if I were to uh, keep it to comics, my favorite piece of comic book lore is the Flash family. Uh, most famously and effectively established by Mark Wade during his lengthy run in the, uh, in the mid to late 90s. Mark Wade established this idea that the Flash is a dynasty that spans thousands of years. Uh, starting with Jay Garrick in the 40s. Well, actually, technically starting before that, because when they brought in Max Mercury and stuff like that. But Was Max Mercury? Um, I thought he was from the future. No, Max Mercury is not from the future. He's from the past. Oh, but he ends up living in the future. No. Oh. Didn't he, change, didn't he train Bart? In the 20th century. Oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like Wade established this idea that the flash is uh, the flash family is this huge dynasty of speedsters, um, not even always connected by blood though, usually by blood. And we had like a, a huge timeline of like hit of Barry's descendants and Wally's descendants and how it would tie into things like kingdom come and, um, it would bring in characters like uh, um, Max Mercury, like, as I mentioned, and, and Impulse and how it all ties together. And it was all like uh, the, the central premise of it is that uh, Iris West, uh, Barry's wife, she is presumed dead. But what actually happens is that she survives and ends up living in the future. So she, she and Barry get to 
live a happy life for a while in the 30th century before he goes back in time and dies in the crisis. And so she writes this book, The Life Story of the Flash. And they actually published it. DC actually published it as a prose book illustrated by Carmine Infantino. And it's wonderful. And it outlines this entire history of Barry Allen's legacy. And it is one of my favorite things in DC comics is it's what, it's what made me love that idea of legacy so much that made it so important to me. Yeah, definitely. And made me so upset when DC seemed to abandon it. Yeah. Especially when you have like a guy like Wade that did the amount of work that he did on that. Yeah. Because he basically pulled this out of thin air and said, I want to do this with the character. And they were like, well, that's not just the character. That's the, you're like making a whole new flash universe basically. Yeah. And oh, man, I mean, it's so cool. Not every idea, not every idea was a winner. I mean, he, he also gave us Barry Allen's heretofore unknown twin brother who grew up to be a supervillain and the ancestor of professor zoom, the reverse flash uh, yeah, so you know who was that? What was his name? Cobalt Blue. Oh, that's was right. His name. Cobalt Blue. <laughs> uh, Cobalt Blue. I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but in uh, I think it was this week's Young Justice, uh, Bart and Connor are talking about how their lives have been kind of uprooted and they shouldn't exist anymore because of the continuity stuff, right? And Cobalt Blue actually shows up in a panel as Bart is like talking about the history of the multiverse. That's so cool. See, and I was like, God damn it. This <laughs> Do not remind me of that shit. But that's another example of like Bendis being like, yeah, it's all this. This is all here. It all counts. S- sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> he he also called Wally Bart's uncle, which is not correct, but I let it pass. He did. Um, yeah, he did. Weird. But yeah, so I I love the Flash family and and uh, this legacy that spans like 2000 years, like well well past the time of the of the Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things. Okay, real quick and I don't mean to fixate on this, but are we positive that something didn't happen weird in DC continuity where Wally is now Bart's uncle? Are you 100 on that? Yes. Barry uh, Bart is Barry's grandson. Wally is Barry's nephew, which means that second uncle cousin once removed first cousin once removed or whatever the fuck it's called. Okay. So maybe it's like kind of thing where they called him uncle or something, but no, not he didn't, but no, they could get married. That's just a, that's just a goof by Bendis. They could get married and have kids and they wouldn't be messed up. Yeah, right. Exactly. They're not related. (laughs) That's the important. That's what I wanted to get to. Can they have children? Would their love be shunned? You know, that's what I wanted to know. Well, yes, it would be shunned, but would their kids be normal? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad we got to the meat of that matter. That's good. This is what you tune in for. Hard hitting flash facts like that. That would be fun to talk about um, some other like comic book, sci- like bad comic book science at some time too. That's a fun question. Yeah. I, I really want to think, I really want to think about um, a bad, a bad flash fact, a, a bad comic science fact that I embraced as real 
I don't only know if, to find out that it was nonsense. I don't know of any that I like embraced as real necessarily, but like there were times where it's just like, okay, like this week you watched uh, X-Men Days of Future Past and you're like, time out. Magneto's the master of magnetism. I get that. But he rips steel girders apart and like hacks into sentinels with them. Like what the fuck is your power even yeah, doing like, here? He turns them, <laughs> he turns railroad tracks into <laughs> monofilament wires right tiny enough to snake into the circuitry of a sentinel and he can then send code through them right i mean like somehow I, i'll give you first of all it's a mute okay so yeah i mean uh -huh. whatever but his power is magnetism we know how magnetism works right and that's and, like, not what it does yeah. <laughs> at all and also they don't they like they don't make a single bit of effort trying to explain how Kitty Pride's phasing powers allow her to beam people through time. Yeah, not, none whatsoever. Just like, oh <laughs> yeah, shit, we gotta send Wolverine back in time. All right, Kitty, come here and do the thing to his temples. <laughs> what? Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and look, I like that movie. It, it, it's 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 got a lot of terrible plot holes, but a lot of really fun moments. We're talking about time travel here. There's no reason why it should have been a one-to-one -one, uh like time frame. They they made such a big deal about like Wolverine having to accomplish this thing by a certain time. That makes no sense. You sent him to the past. Well, I'm time out. You're gonna get into back to the future shit here. So who It knows? either happened or it didn't. I mean, I guess, but maybe they, they they had this they had this like super dramatic thing where it's like, oh no, the sentinels are at the gate. Yes, but Wolverine accomplished his mission 50 years ago. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's not how time works. Come on. In this unit, uh -huh, in their uh -huh, time travel uh -huh, thing, uh -huh. it's an issue. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> all right. As soon as we Let's perfect time up. travel and figure out it doesn't work like that, I'll talk shit about it. Thank you to <laughs> everybody that called in, played along. We'll see you next Saturday, and we need to hear from you. There's a bunch of you lurking out there. Call us. Leave us a message or chat with us. Let's talk, okay? As you can see, we set up the news, but we'll talk about whatever you want. Hit us. Talk about what you're reading. Talk about what you watched. We're going to talk about Old Guard on the show this week, and we want to hear what you guys think of the Old Guard movie. I watched it last night. Spoilers, I really liked it, but we'll go into it more this week. Uh, I just reread the entire first uh, miniseries this morning, and I am excited to watch it. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it on the show, but I was really impressed about how much of that comic book series made it directly to the screen. It was cool. Yeah. Call us at 402-819-4894. Send us your MP3 to twoheadednerd at gmail.com and leave us a message at any time on that same phone number to play along. Also, uh, I should mention Casey and I's third. Is that our third? Yeah. We've got your third. Age of Apocalypse, a review of Age of the Apocalypse is up. And uh, man, the movie doesn't hold up at all. And it's even worse than I remember when I saw it in the theater. Like, ugh, it's a stinker. Oh, X-Men Apocalypse. Yes, it is a stinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's fun to hear us take it apart. You can go to Patreon backslash Two-Headed-Nerd. Any donation there gets you access to those extras, and it helps this podcast out so much. I cannot stress that. I know times are tough, and I know there's plenty of better causes to give money to, and if you want to do that, no judgment at all. But if you want to help us out, we appreciate that too. For now, this is Matt Bomb, and... Nope. Question of the week. Oh, before we get out of here, though, 
we got to introduce our new question of the week. This week's question was submitted by Jason Sachs via the THN forums. What's a media favorite that you loved but just slowly lost interest in? Mm. Maybe a comic which started at the top of your read list but which drifted towards the bottom? Or a TV show whose first few seasons you loved but which you ignored when a new season dropped? Or a book series where you suddenly realized there were multiple books you hadn't read yet even though you used to read them as soon as they dropped? What are those items and why do you think you lost interest? Here's an example from his wife. My wife loved the first few seasons of Grey's Anatomy, but when they started replacing characters, she uh, she slowly lost interest. She'd watch a few episodes, find herself looking at Facebook instead of watching the show, and then finally just decided to give up. It's a good one. I like this. Yeah, it's not like stuff that you like hated on or they totally screwed up. Just sort of like, eh, I don't love it anymore. Yeah, you know, you, you loved it at first and you just kind of fell out of love with it. Yeah, you know, like marriage, right? Good Lord. <laughs> my wife my wife is screaming at me from the living room because she thinks I'm talking about her and I'm not. <laughs> talking about somebody else. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll be here next Saturday from 1030 to noon broadcasting live. Hope you can play along. But for now, this is the Two-Headed Nerd. My name is Matt Baum. My name is Joe Patrick. Signing off. We'll be right back.